Hello, welcome to Chucked. I'm Charles Braxton. With me is Austin Charles. Hello. We are in episode number four of Chucked and are very excited about today. We um, have some full content today, a story that very much interests both Austin and myself. And um, we're going to jump in. Life's good right now, by the way. Uh, Cavs just swept another series. Browns are undefeated this year so far. Um, Tribes in first place. Tribes in first place. Reds are in first place. So it's going to be a Cincinnati-Cleveland World Series. I'm so (laughs) excited about that. Um, But, uh, Austin, we, uh, we share a mutual love of many things. Sports, one... And uh, also the movies, movie making, the process, everything about the art of it. And um, fascinating article that you came across. Mm -hmm. Explain that. It is, uh, I, uh, it's a GQ article. Um, They did a cover story on Brad Pitt and his life today. Uh, About a, a year and a half ago or a year ago, sometime last year, um, it was well documented in the news that there was some kind of altercation on a private plane with his family that involved um, his son. And as a result of that, um, Angelina Jolie is filing for sole custody and uh, divorce. And things are, are getting messy there. As, as he explains in this interview uh, with GQ, um, but he kind of he comes clean with a lot of stuff. Um, it, and has a has an apparent piece about him, which is interesting because what stood out to me most about this this interview, which is a very very long interview, they talk about a lot of stuff, but what stood out to me most is how he ex- he goes into detail about how these these houses they used to, they lived in that he now lives in alone used to be full of of just kids that they've you know they've obviously adopted a lot and laughter and chaos and noise and and now it's just him uh, making a fire in the morning and making a fire at night and drinking tea alone and that's and he just is just alone and it's just silent and uh and and solemn and he goes and he goes through through that where you know asking him where he's been living it's very sad to be here first it's very very solemn or some quotes this week has been more of more painful week than normal Mm. um and and there's there's this huge grief about him but there's also this um there's this piece, but before, um, you know, I, I have, I always have my grievance each week and, um, your old man, grievance, my old man, grievance. And this one, um, so the writer that wrote, I don't know who wrote this, um, uh, a better writer than I, um, obviously, but it's his, you know, he set it up in this GQ way of, of, of setting the scene in the Hollywood Hills, you know, of, of, of Brad, you know, making his tea and, um, and when I read it, I mean, it's serious. The guy's being serious. I just laughed. It was just hilarious comedic writing to me. I just, I mean, I found if, if, if you know, Jonathan Franzen or someone had, had written this, it would have been a joke. Like they would, they would, be, they would, be, they would be like, make, they would be writing, a, you know, a comedic novel. So the way my mind works is as soon as I read this paragraph, I, I instantly just thought of this, this writer doing this interview as, as a character in, in a book. So read it to us in a well. This, this, let me give the movie con- trailer me, the, voice this is, promo. Well, this is, I had I have a plan how I'm going to read it because I'm because I how I pictured this guy it just instantly the image instantly came to me who this guy was, 
And this is this is this is how this is how I think. And so he's Courtney Taylor, ex-boyfriend of a 28-year-old Annabelle, the protagonist of a contemporary prose fiction novel. Courtney Taylor is a 42-year-old, but dresses and looks like he's a 22-year-old, and describes his writing a GQ as elementary and and an intellectual drag but would be socially and conversationally lost without its perks. If name-dropping were not a figure of speech but a liter- literal action, he would trip over the pile of names constantly surrounding his feet. <laughs> Courtney only smokes tobacco after his daily morning yoga. Upon meeting someone new, he always asks where they live in the city, to which he inevitably replies in a pitying sigh, oh. <laughs> he overuses urban slang words like dope and ratchet. And because he will tell you everything going on in his life without your prompting, the only thing left to wonder about Courtney is which is more aware of itself, his apartment or his outfit. So this is... So you wrote that. Literally. Like, so I, you I, spent I, time I, writing that, about I'm, a writer. No, that came out in like two minutes, literally. <laughs> like I read through this article, I'm like, this is amazing writing. And so I just like, and that is the image that comes to my mind of, of uh, what people don't know is that there are so many people in my life, friends, family, that I, I have this 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 notebook of of them, you know, because there are certain people I know that would just be incredible characters in a novel, <laughs> and that I'll that I'll, I'll I'll use someday. But anyway, Courtney Taylor. That's I don't. That's not his, that's not the writer's name, by the way. It's just that's a Courtney Taylor. Like this, it's a yeah, pseudonym. This, the so this is Courtney. This is Courtney Taylor reading his reading his piece. Um, Pitt wears a flannel shirt and skinny jeans that hang loose from his frame. Invisible to the eye is that sculpted bulk we've seen on film for a quarter oh, of a century. Okay. This is real. This is okay. real. This is real. Okay, All this right, is real. you're right. Okay. He looks you're like right. an L.A. dad on a juice cleanse gearing up to do those house projects. <laughs> on the counter sits some plated goodies from Starbucks, which he doesn't touch, and some coffee, which he does. Pitt, who exudes likability and general decency and a good sense of humor, dark and a little cockeyed, parenthetical statement, says he's gotten really into making matcha lately. Something a friend introduced him to. He loves the whole ritual of it. He deliberately sprinkles some green powder in a cup with a sifter, then pours into the boiling water, whisking with a bamboo brush until the liquid is a harlequin oh, you're froth. You're so bad. You're going to love this, he says, <laughs> handing me a cup. I mean, that, 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 was that cannot dramatic. be real writing. That cannot okay. be real writing. That was Come on. That was this is GQ. Okay, I've Jeez. never heard a cup of matcha tea and dramatized there, there's like, like that. There, there is, there, there, there's like four, five more paragraphs that are just like, oh, no. I'm just a Brad. It's just Brad. <laughs> okay. Oh, Brad. All right. You you got so, it. You grumpy old man. You deserve that. I one, just man. oh, that was... on my notes here when I first read, I just that's great comedy. I mean, that is great writing. That is great writing. So Courtney matcha Taylor. Tea. I don't know what your real name is. I will never look at matcha tea the but same Courtney way. Courtney Taylor. My gosh. Which matcha man. tea is bad for you if you're a man? Is it you really? know that? Yes, it oh. is. Brad has too much testosterone. He okay, maybe he's going to have to amp down the testosterone. So Brad is hitting the matcha tea. Uh, well, first, so uh, getting into it. Getting it's all that stuff he took when he was in Troy. <laughs> he's got yeah. to amp down that. <laughs> I probably should You know, actually, you know, he, he, uh, he talks about his health and we're going to talk about Jason, it, is that under the file of things not to say during a podcast? <laughs> I've already said it. Peanuts, Jason, and peanuts. Our producer, Jason um, Hill. <laughs> uh, so well, he actually talks about his health and, and how he has the clearest, um, the cleanest uh, urinary tract in all of LA. He says so he's a health, he's a total health nut today. And oh, and, wow. and with the pictures with this um, with this interview that go along with it of him, you know, and like you know, 
unbuttoned Gucci shirt or something. Um, he is in gr- incredible shape, not bulky shape, but just mm. he looks like he's in for a 53 year old. He looks in good shape. Mm. Um, as good as me. So almost. Okay. Almost, All yeah. right. Brad's trying to keep up. <laughs> and with he me. gets paid for his, the way his body looks. <laughs> um, but some context on Brad. Um, he grew up First Baptist in the Ozarks. They described it as having kind of had a, wow, had a uh, Huck Finn upbringing. Yeah, yeah. So he says, uh, it was the cleaner, stricter, by-the-book Christianity. And then I was in high school, and my folks jumped to a more charismatic movement, which got into speaking in Boy, tongues. Boy, that's going from the front and into the hands. fire there, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He. Uh, another view on, his, on, on Christianity he has is, I, I never understood growing up with Christianity, don't do this, don't do that. It's all about don'ts. And I was like, how do you know who you are if you don't know what works for you? You don't find out where the edge is, where the line is. You have to, you have to step over it to know where it is. So he has this, this, this jaded, um, obviously. I'm fundamentally incapable of not addressing that. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, go I'm fundamentally it. incapable of not saying that. I just want to say this. If you're listening and you think that's what Christianity is, it is not D-O. It's spelled D-O-N-E. It's not what you do. It's what God has already done for you through his son. Mm-hmm. And you're free to live in love. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's why, you know, how I describe when I'm taking someone through the steps is the third step is turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand him. I underline that, that line, as you understand him. Yeah. Not as you should understand him. That's Not right. as you have understood him. Not as you could understand him, but as you understand him today, because whatever your belief is t- today, as it, you know, at the end of is it Matthew seventeen, you know, two percent mustard seed, you know, I think what that passage is saying is that's enough. It is that's not right. what you think you should have. That's right. But what you have will work with that. You know, I so, think if people only knew, it's funny we say give everything to God. If if by that definition of Jesus saying just give me a mustard seed and I'll move mountains. Mm-hmm. He says, no, just give me your best, That if your best is 2%. And I never understood you know? that. It, what my sponsor would say until a year or so ago, we're only as, you're only as far as and you're only as far along as what's true in your heart. I never knew what that meant. What are you doing? You're only as far along as what's true in your heart. I don't know what you mean. You're only as far along wow. as what's true in your heart. And that's what he was saying by that, that I realized. Yeah. I'm, only as far, I'm only as far along as I'm true in your heart, and that, in a good way, you know, yeah. in a good way. And religion gets in the way of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, he has this interesting perspective that is, um, I think the interviewer kind of asked, is there a way of you have, could have avoided this crisis, this, um, this uh, crash and burn? And he said, I think it would have cut him knocking either way, no matter what. And he says it again later on in the article of, um, that, that these, these crash and burns are, are, are inevitable, you know, and I, and I, and I was just saying that to somebody the other day, I mean, you know, life is, I think this is, the whole thing is about just getting to your knees, birth of a child, getting to your knees, death of a child, getting to your knees. And where the pain comes from is the pace in which you decide I'm going to get to my knees, right? That's a great image. It's, it's what it's all about is that surrender and turning my will over to the power, to me, the peace of God. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you can be, you know, we change when we hurt enough where we have to or we're graced enough where we get to or we watch enough where we want to. And if, and if change, because you watch and you go, I want that. I want what Austin has. I, 
or you're graced. Gosh, God has been so good to me. I, I won the lottery. I think he says that in the article. Mm-hmm. That You can change from that. Unfortunately, we usually change yeah. when we hurt enough where we have to. That's why I love that, that how, you know, in Wormwood and in, in Screwtape Letters comes to, to, to Screwtape and says, oh, you don't, you don't believe it. The Nazis are, the Germans are invading. This is going to be war. It's going to be awful. And Screwtape berates him and says, no, that's the last thing we want. Because I think Screwtape, this demon, knows that we don't want them on their knees. Whether it's from the birth of a child or the death of a child, yeah, we don't cool. want them on the knees. We want them to be in that gray area where the pain exists of, I don't know if I should go to my knees yet, so I'm going to stand. I don't know if I should go to my knees yet, so I should stand. I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to stay on my feet, you know. Um, but he goes on like, concerning that. I do remember a few spots along the road. I've become absolutely tired of myself. And this is a big one. These moments have always been a huge generator of change for me. And I'm quite grateful for it. For me personally, I can't remember a day since college when I wasn't boozing or had a spliff or something, something. And you realize that a lot of this is um, cigarettes, you know, they're they're pacifiers like a baby and I'm running from feelings and I'm really, really happy to be done with all of that. I mean, I stopped everything except boozing when I started my family, but even in the last year, you know, things got, things I wasn't dealing with, I was boozing too much. It was just became a problem. And I'm really happy. It's been a year and a half now, which is bittersweet, but I've gotten my feelings on my fingertips. I think that's the part of the human challenge. You either deny them all your life or you can answer them and evolve. And this is where this, this piece obviously has come from for him is that he's settled at what's true in his heart. Yeah. Not that it's an acceptable way of living that he, want, he still wants to change or still wants to be that repent, that 180. But before we can repent, well, what are you repenting about? You got to come to a place where you accept what you're repenting about. I'm just going to repent. About what? I don't know. You can't repent. <laughs> you can't. Right, yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I, you know, the, the Richard Rohr explanation of the first half of life and the second half of life, it is inevitable that the higher you achieve, the higher you experience the, the, the good things of your abilities, that there's an inevitability of that brought to your knees moment. Mm-hmm. You experience that, I think, uh, very early Every on. Day. That's why you have an old soul. Every day. <laughs> yeah. You experienced it very early on. But he's now moving to the <clears throat> what Roar would call the second half of life. Yeah, and he asks. They asked him, "How do you how do you renovate yourself?" And he says, "You start by removing all the decor and decorations. You get down to the structure. You strip down to the foundation and break out the mortar." For me, this period has really been about looking at my weaknesses and my failures and owning my side of the street. I'm an asshole when it comes to this need for justice, and I don't know where it comes from. This hollow quest for justice for some perceived slight. I love that. I can drill on that for days and years. It's done me no good whatsoever. It's such a silly idea. The idea that the world is fair. And this is coming from a guy who hit the lottery, as we know, genetically and career-wise. I'm well aware of that. I hit the lottery, and I would still waste my time on those hollow pursuits. Amazing. Amazing. Sometimes I we connect with expressions that are like us really deeply. Mm. And relative to our lives, I can identify with that. Can you not identify with 
mm-hmm. with that. And, and I think being in leadership for years, I have seen the difference between people who see themselves as anything that comes my way that's good, I don't deserve, and anything that comes my way that's good, I've earned. Mm. And anything that happens that is not acceptable to me in terms of fairness, I go off the rails. So I really identify that from my own self, but also the observance of the difference between people who have that sense of the world's not fair, the world's not fair, the world's not fair, it's not fair to me. It is a major determinant in the trajectory of life. That so the thing we talk about a lot is are you underserved or undeserved? Mm. Which do you see yourself? Mm. If you're underserved, somebody's not meeting their expectations, your expectations. If you're underserved, I'm, you're always chafing for more, right? Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less, yeah. right? Yeah. So they ask, how do you become unnumb? Sitting with those horrible feelings and needing to understand them and putting them into place. In the end, you find I am those things I don't like. That's a part of me. I can't deny that. I have to accept that. And in fact, I have to embrace that. I need to face that and take care of that. Because by denying it, I deny myself. I am those mistakes. And for me, every misstep has been a step toward epiphany and understanding, some kind of joy. The avoidance of pain is real. It's the real mistake. It's the real missing out on life. It's those very things that shape us, those very things that offer us growth, that make the world a better place, oddly enough, ironically. That makes us better. From your story and the narrative of your life right now, Unpack that last part, how that hits you. Mm-hmm. You said something a few weeks ago I, I, that really, I love the way you said, I realized I was self-centered and I'm still self-centered. I just surrender it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm not Austin. I'm, an, I'm, I'm, I'm not Austin, the recovered alcoholic. I'm Austin. I'm an, I'm, I am an alcoholic. I am a practicing alcoholic. By nature, I am alcoholic, which means my behavior will always be dishonest, self-seeking, self-absorbed, self-centered, and self-righteous. That will be my, and, and because of that, I will operate inherently out of fear and resentments and shame and die, just dying all the time to keep secrets. Austin, what did you go to the grocery store? I got chips. No, I didn't. I bought cereal. I lied. Because I just, I lie. Mm. That's what I do. That is an inherent part of my nature. Those things are still very much a part of me, but they are not authority over me anymore. Because I take that inventory. I continue to take a personal inventory, and when I'm wrong, I promptly admit it. I didn't buy chips. I bought cereal. I just lied to you there. Um, because I've accepted what the truest nature about me is today. And I think that goes just in line with, and it's why I argue I don't, I don't believe the Bible is as, as much of a book about God as it is a book about us and how we fit into that. And I don't, in God, you know, as, as we've talked about, he does not offer reason for anything. He just redeems everything. That's right. And for me... I, I so resonate with, you know, I remember it was when I started to get, when I was getting sober and, um, and there were certain people that just didn't understand why I wouldn't be able to drink ever again, because if you believe in God, if your faith is that great, then you're healed from this. Mm. You know, I said, that's not what it's about. It's not that it's about this material thing of alcohol. You know, it's about 
there's, if you can, you know, I am an alcoholic today, not a former alcoholic, because that is what creates this this epiphany, this understanding, this this, this betterment out of, of uh, that Brad Pitt's talking about. That is that is the redemption, as as you know. And I wouldn't, as I've said it a, a couple weekends ago, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't have my story be different. That doesn't mean I'm not sorry or remorseful mm-hmm. or anything, but I wouldn't change a thing unless you can't guarantee me that I am sitting here with the same freedom I am today That's and the powerful. same peace I am today. Knowing that I am alcoholic by nature and that I will lie whenever I can and that I will cheat whenever I can and I will think immorally whenever I can and I will... Um, I will be self-centered and self-seeking and dishonest whenever I can. But I have a way to not seek reason for those things, but to seek redemption by every day telling someone what I'm afraid of, every day telling someone who my resentment is against and what happened in that resentment and how it made me feel and where my part was in it, and then going through what I'm ashamed of, what my secrets are. And as a byproduct of that, I, I, I don't... Those aren't authority over my life. So within that, in a, in a, in a, so that, that's that ir- irony that he's talking about. It offers growth that makes us better. It's death it's to life, true. right? Mm. I tell you, you are my son. <laughs> <laughs> the milk, you know, the milkman was not your dad. <laughs> you are my son, indeed. <laughs> Let there be no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that comforts uh, our ears to yeah. hear me say that, but it's the truth. <laughs> because that, uh, you know, like, you're different. No, you're not different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, our family has genetics that we're more extreme. Or we're predisposed to. You put, me, you put me in Podunk, Indiana right now with, with no phone, no money, no AA. I will be drunk and high and in bed with someone by nightfall. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's happening. Yeah. Like, like it, you yeah. know, and it's, it's not about my surroundings or what I can give myself and what the world can give me and what I can do for it and can do for me and all these things. It's about what am I willing to accept about myself today? And then I'll go from there. And he's obviously come to some clarity about that. Absolutely. Which is really encouraging for a, a good soul. You can tell he's a good soul. Yeah. You know, it's, he's got a good... He's Steven, the the the, uh, the the great philosopher Stephen Tyler once said, um, "We're not." And it's a saying from AA, but he, he kind of made it popular. We're not good, bad people trying to get good. We're sick people trying to get well. And I think you hear that. And 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 you know, Brad Pitt is obviously he's obviously done something terrible. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. something that has ripped his family Welcome apart. Welcome to the human race. Yeah, and uh, you know he he's he's. You can still see he, there's an innocence about his heart. Um, one the one thing I love that that is so true for so many people. They said they said all this bad stuff to use it to tell your story, and again he says it just isn't. He, he explains the inevitability of this crash and burn. It just keeps knocking. I'm 53 and I'm just getting into it. These are things I thought I was managing very well. I live my life. I have my family. I do my thing. I don't do anything illegal. I don't cross anyone's paths. And he says, what's that David Foster Wallace quote? The truth will set you free, but not until it's done with you first. Wow. Like it's, it's coming out. You, you, you said before every impression without expression leads to depression. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's coming out. Mm-hmm. You know. The truth, always remember, truth is reality. That's all truth is. Truth is the way things really are. Mm. Gravity 
is reality, whether I believe it or not. And eventually gravity will get me. Either I fall off a building or just my face sags as I get older. But gravity is going to win. Eventually, my body will be six feet under the grave. Just such a lovely thought. But it's reality. And, and that when he, when he says that truth is done with you, eventually reality wins. And that's why I'm a follower of Jesus, because he said, I came to show you reality. Mm-hmm. I am the way, the reality, and the life. It's not an exclusionary statement. It's a very inclusionary statement. Align yourself with my life, and we'll do the reality game together. Mm. Yeah. I think that, that, that you, know, you examine the scriptures. And this is why we, you know, what I really wanted to say with, with all this, you know, blowing up about LeBron last week was, was really what I was trying to say was when you, when you examine LeBron James' career on and off the court, it's just unprecedented. There's just not been an, there's not been an athlete like him on and off the court. When you examine on a daily basis the life of Jesus Christ, it is it is undoubtedly truth, it, and it is undoubtedly that he did not come to speak about spirituality. He came to speak about practicality that will affect our That's lives right. today if right. it becomes an ingredient of our daily routine. He did. You know, he didn't speak about ephemeral, floaty concepts. He talked about divorce, adultery, mm-hmm. how to give in a way that you grow too and not just you get smaller. I mean, he talked about real life. That's why I love Dallas Willard's perspective on following him. To follow Jesus is to believe he was the smartest person who ever lived. Not the most spiritual we know that, right? Or mm-hmm. the smartest to say, I think his way works. That's why I believe it works in a marriage. It works in the Middle East. We want peace in the Middle East. It'll be because somebody says on one side, we're going to do it the way Christ would have done it, mm-hmm. which would mean forgiveness and et cetera. So I, you know, I'm hopeful for Brad Pitt, and I've learned pray for him. That'll be my response to today is to pray for him that the right people are put in his path, that he's being graced. Because he does have such an amazing perspective about affecting people that he talks about in here. Um, It's all about communicating. It's about connecting. I believe we're all cells in one body. We're all part of the same construct. Although a a few of us are cancerous, it's about helping others. And we can help each other, and that's it. And, the, and you know, and they t- I'll ask him about here. Why aren't you more political? Why aren't you more this and that? And he says, um, basically, that's just not my job to be to tell people how they should should um, what they should do. But I can make art that influences people to feel and think, to think I, about I difficult issues, and think about. And obviously, he is an, an unbelievable humanitarian. He, he's built like a million houses in New Orleans when Katrina hit because he's an architect too on the side. Uh, he's a he's a brilliant you know creative thinker and and he's in he's so him talking about how he just he's not gonna sh- he's not going to it's amazing again because you know I think if the right person comes along for for Brad Pitt and has an influence on him there's going to be a real change because he think acts and feels like Christ in a lot of ways right you know I mean, he right. and that like he doesn't he directly does what Christ is doing and that Christ didn't come to change people he came to love people and as a byproduct of that they change Brad Pitt is saying they're politically 
economically, socially, I'm not going to change people, but I can show love to people. And as a byproduct of that, maybe they'll change. No question. I mean, and, you know, I've had conversations with people. I bet you have too. I can think of one individual. She was, I would say, agnostic. And her life is about loving abused kids. And I said, I say her name's Jane. It's not her name. Jane, you're living more like Jesus than half the Christians I know. You know, really a lot of following Christ is just giving him credit for how he's already graced you in that that pervasive grace that's all throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Next time, we got we're like going to unpack this. Yeah, we'll next time we're going to unpack this further. You have a running experiment you're doing in life. Can you be successful and be good? And we're going to unpack that next time on Chucked. <laughs>